The views and opinions expressed during this program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of WHIO and Cox Media Group. This hour is sponsored by There is a Season. We want to put you on the WHIO payroll. I want to win so bad. Win $1,000 cash five times every weekday. Now you're talking. The WHIO payroll payout is sponsored by Saka, the Southern Ohio Chamber Alliance. Always looking out for the best interest of small business owners. You're on WHIO. There is a season And welcome to There is a Season, the Bob and Gloria Show. This is the show about how we change, how we age, and how we care for one another. I'm Bob Wolf. Gloria is away today. But as always, we, in this case I, will endeavor to make this another eye-opening, informative, and inspirational hour for you. Thanks for being here. 457-1290 is the number to our studio today. 937-457-1290. You longtime listeners to the program know that occasionally we feature our version of when the cat's away, the mice will play. In other words, that I'll sometimes take the liberty of expanding the program's thesis, if you will, about change, aging, and the care of our loved ones as these things impact and are affected by ongoing challenges in our society. That means I'll talk politics and history and culture and other things with you. All things Gloria has also shared with me and you on this program. But here and there, with a deeper dive into those subjects, like I'll do for you today. Rest assured, she has signed off on what you'll hear today, or at least most of it. And, uh, you know, we'll get into that in just a moment. But first, I'd like you to think about this. Look around. Ask yourself this question. Is this what we wanted? In replacing the orange-haired 2 a.m. tweeter, and I really want to direct this at those of you who voted for the current administration, is the current scene what you wanted? A deadly betrayal and debacle in Afghanistan, vaccine mandates rammed down our throats, vaccines themselves that are now being shown to lose a lot of their effectiveness over time, and which have very frequently enough not stopped people from getting COVID, many of them nearly dying in the process, or dying, or in fact dying. Is $3 gasoline what we wanted? Is rising inflation? Is the routine proposal of massive, utterly massive new government spending what the American electorate wanted last November? We didn't hear of that in the brief sightings of the current president in the run-up to the election last year. We didn't hear a lot of talk of $3.5 trillion budgets or, uh, or bills and so forth working their way through Congress. But speaking of our former president, don't think that I sit here lauding the man for everything he did. There was certainly much on his watch that I thought was very, very good. There were other things that were vulgar or needlessly confrontational. And I have serious suspicions about what the art of the deal really meant when the president and other officials met with pharmaceutical companies and created deals in which the latter are completely indemnified. They've compelled nations to suffocate dissent and alternative medicines and related commerce. They've poured billions into the relentless top-down push 
of a vaccine technology not normally or historically used as it has been. Read up a little bit on mRNA research. While flaunting the Nuremberg Code regarding possible medical experiments. That's a heck of a lot. Well, who made these deals? What role did our former president have in those? Who knows? The desperation in 2020 led to conflicting guidelines and the rush for a miracle cure and an entirely different relationship between the government and ordinary citizens is now evolving. Now jobs are threatened. Our students are regularly muzzled physically, emotionally. And Governor Vax a million and others have had to incentivize what they cannot punish. What is going on? Tell me, is this what you signed up for? Have you come to believe that it will be virtually impossible for those right or right of center to ever win a national election again? Did you expect to see millions of illegals pour across our border this year? And have the President of the United States bully and lie about the civil servants paid to patrol that border? And to pander whenever possible to the race industry that continues to savage our culture, including our minority populations? I ask you, is this what you wanted when millionaire Joe from Scranton came to power? I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, I don't think so. But you know, like a lot of people listening right now, I've got to ask myself, what will I do about it? Write my congressman? Hope that even more people get disgruntled and maybe then we'll win the next big election? Could uh, could stock up on PPE and toilet paper? Or I could further isolate? Maybe live nervously on the edge of the next big catastrophe? Whether it's from nature or made by man? I don't know. It's, it's hard to think about what to do with all this crap going on. Many, many people are not happy right now. And they're spending too much energy worrying, anxious, distrustful, and feeling like they're under siege. Well, what can we do? Recently, we did another show of this kind where we asked listeners what they were unhappy about and what they planned to do about it. I think we said... What's your beef? I think that was the name of the show. What's your beef? We got some really great calls and suggestions. And God bless all who called or who call today to weigh in, four five seven twelve ninety. There were certainly some sticky issues that our previous uh, calls uh, brought up. And there were some problems, you know, things about Afghanistan and COVID and race and a whole bunch of other stuff. And guess what? None of it was conspiratorial or right-wing or extreme or any other pejorative some people enjoy when they hear criticism, especially from out here in the red states, our callers just laid it out there, whatever the problem was, and people came up with some suggestions, no matter what they called about. But what seemed to be missing from that show was the big idea, the overarching perspective of what really seems to be going on at multiple levels in our society. We're all grasping at bits and pieces of things saying, well, why, why is that happening? <clears throat> and, and why can't they leave us alone? Or why won't they do their jobs? Why don't they police that city or punish that bad guy? Why don't they do something about these mobs roving around in the cities, <clears throat> certain parts around the country? Why does he or she get away with that? <clears throat> when certainly I couldn't myself. 
How in the world are we going to pay for this? And what are they doing with the military and our corporations and universities with all these new compulsory learnings? Hell, a lot of us haven't gotten over the cultural onslaught of the last 20 years. With the redefinition of marriage, there went a few thousand years of understanding. Or gender, there went a few million years of understanding. Anyway, my point is, we can identify some key individual problems in our lives. But we're so close to the day-to-day that it's hard to see the big picture. We're busy. We've got things to do. Money to earn. People to care for. People on our minds. Plenty to do. But we're also so far from the levers of power. At least it feels that way. And those we think represent us or carry the water while we're back here trying to get on with our lives, well, often they seem like they don't have power or they go off to places like Washington and just become part of the problem. So we listen to pundits and try to glean some insight on all this, but it's hard to come up with something cohesive to explain the angst that a lot of us are feeling. Surely much of our problem is spiritual. We are a country of great faith in some quarters, but the common venue for that faith, our religious communities, have been losing relevance, credibility, and adherence for decades, especially young people. And we're going to talk more about the condition of our faith in America in an upcoming program. We've done it before, and it's time we got back and revisited all of that. But today, I'm going to share with you the thoughts of one person who has been thinking mightily about a lot of the things I've mentioned. And he has developed an understanding of the big picture of where we are now as a nation. I'm going to encourage you to stick around for the whole program. This is a, there is a season unlike just about anything you're going to hear here or have ever heard here. And I want you to see if what this author is saying strikes a chord with you. And after I've shared what I plan to, I hope to be able to take some calls to 457-1290. Max... Morton is a retired U.S. Marine Corps lieutenant colonel and former CIA paramilitary operations officer. In other words, he's done a lot. He's been out there in the field. Excuse me. He is a veteran of multiple armed conflicts, revolutions, and contingency operations. He's also a prolific columnist whose wide-ranging work has appeared on the pages of The Federalist. AmericanGreatness.com and other publications and digital spaces. He is the CEO of Blackmore Technical Services, which does security uh, consulting. As I said, his columns are wide-ranging, discussing political, military, legal, cultural, and historical issues. Often his views have been unpopular with the American left, but like another educated, accomplished, and highly insightful author I cherish, Victor Davis Hanson, Max Morton is not some right-wing kook. He has paid his dues. He has done his homework. He has as comprehensive an understanding of what's going on in America as perhaps anyone we've ever discussed on this show. The difference between his insights and other authors we've shared with you here on the program is Max Morton's level of strategic and tactical insight and planning. That's going to become more important as I continue this conversation. And this is what separates people like him from most of the rest of us. We complain, we fear, we hope, 
we sort of kind of plan for the worst in some areas of our lives, right? We carry insurance on our houses, for an example. But in general, we do not hone our thinking and skills and plans to the level that someone like Max Morton will. That's not an indictment of you or me. It's the realization that a lot of us have been working very hard every day for our vision of the American dream. And we want a nation that is just and charitable. And we want to be free to get on with our lives, raise our kids, add value and meaning to the world in which we inhabit. Who wouldn't want that as a vision for life today? But what Max Morton discusses in this article I'm about to share with you is a radical rethinking of where we are today and what we need to do now to save this country. The article is called The Last Stop Before Thermopylae, and that's just the teaser. And I'll be back with more to explain what Thermopylae means and what Max Morton means when we come back. You're listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to There is a Season. I'm Bob. Gloria's away today, and we're talking today about your country, something else you should care for, and particularly your country in conflict. Former Marine Corps Lieutenant Colonel and author Max Morton wrote an article called The Last Stop Before Thermopylae. Now, unless some of you heard that just before the break ran off to uh, Google what that meant, I'll just give you a quick background. And believe me, you won't get this anywhere else on the radio or TV in this market or most others around the country. Thermopylae is a world famous for the battle that took, their, uh, took place there between the Greek forces, uh, notably the Spartans, Lacedaemonians, Thebans, and uh, the Thespians, and the invading Persian forces. Commemorated by Simonides in the famous epitaph, Go tell the Spartans, stranger passing by, that here obedient to their laws we lie. Thermopylae is the only land uh, route, large route, route, whatever you want to say here, large enough to bear any significant traffic between Locris and Thessaly. This passage from north to south along the east coast of the Balkan Peninsula requires use of the pass, and for this reason, Thermopylae has been the site of several battles. The Greco-Persian Wars, the Third Sacred War, the Gallic Invasion of the Balkans, the Byzantine-Bulgarian War, Greek War of Independence, and World War II. Are you following this so far? Okay, so you've got this relatively narrow pass and lots of battles. But wait, there's more. Thermopylae means hot gates in reference to the presence of the hot sulfur springs in the area, the cavernous entrance to Hades, the underworld of Greek mythology, was said to be at Thermopylae. Okay, so this is what you typically get with a military historian, somebody like a Victor Davis Hanson, or in this case, Max Morton. And without putting too fine a point on it, the author is essentially entitling his article, The Last Stop before the gates of hell. Okay, do I have your attention now? <laughs> so stick with me. That's just the article name. But the teaser in this article is what's in intriguing. And he says this, quote, 
Many traditional Americans are sleepwalking into a conflict they are not mentally prepared to handle. I'll read that again. Many traditional Americans are sleepwalking into a conflict they are not mentally prepared to handle. That's certainly an intriguing thing to think about. And so he continues, America is at a crossroads. We are facing the greatest threat to liberty that the republic has yet encountered. A ruling elite backed by the primary institutions of power in America, the media, academia, the permanent bureaucracy, and the defense intelligence complex. He should know, right? These institutions are fully committed to a top-down rebellion of the elites determined to protect the wealth and power of the establishment. No enemy is as dangerous as the enemy within, and this enemy now controls the reins of national power in America. We have a choice, says Max Morton. Submit or fight. At this point, it is unproductive to rehash the litany of self-sabotage inflicted upon America over the past four years. Just think about everything we went through prior to COVID. And equally unproductive is casting the new regime and its nomenclatura as some type of golem that distracts us from what we need to do to survive. For traditional Americans inundated with the continuous stream of who did what to whom, outrage and hypocrisy now fall on deaf ears. The time to cry about the past is over. The solution to our predicament lies in what we do from here forward. In The Art of War, Sun Tzu wrote, If you know yourself and you know the enemy, you need not fear a thousand battles. And this is what he's going to talk about more on the other side of the news. American society is now cleaved into two factions that are intrinsically at odds with one another. And we're going to talk more about that on the other side. Stay with us today. You're listening to a very different and new There is a Season show on AM 1290 and 1290 WH, and excuse me, News 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Back soon. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to There is a Season, the show about how we change, how we age, and how we care for one another. I'm Bob Wolf. Gloria's away today, but she'll be back next week. We're talking today about an article by Max Morton, who is a retired U.S. Marine lieutenant colonel, and uh, also um, he spent some time with the CIA as a paramilitary operational uh, asset. It's a, it's a mouthful. Um, but he wrote an article called The Last Stop Before Thermopylae. And uh, I went into a description, a little historical review of what that uh, region of the world is like. But he's asking the question, are we headed toward the gates of hell as a nation? And are we seeing the big picture? Or are we sleepwalking into a conflict we are not mentally prepared to handle? You might recall in our previous shows, we talked about various kinds of preparation and it might have been on the heels of a natural disaster. We talked about how to have plenty of food and water and medicine and 
personal protection and transportation. And also then in a follow-up show, we talked again about the essential docs, paperwork, and financial issues you need to get in order in your life. And that included wills, powers of attorney, living wills, HIPAA docs, and all that. But today, something bigger and more societal or society-wide, it affects every one of us, comes to us from our author, retired uh, Lieutenant Colonel Max Morton. And so in the article, uh, before we went to the news, he, he posited this. He says, American society is now cleaved into two factions that are intrinsically at odds with one another. On one hand, you have traditional Americans. They come in every race, creed, and religion. They believe in law and order. They expect everyone to follow the rules and mostly just want to be left alone. Family-oriented, self-reliant, and armed, traditional Americans populate the working-class ranks of the military, law enforcement, and industry. Sadly, he says, most are technically illiterate. They underestimate the threat from the surveillance state and the securitate. Many still believe that the FBI only goes after the bad guys, and they cannot grasp that the national security apparatus now views them as the enemy. They rightly bristle when slandered with white supremacist or terrorist labels. A habituated trust in authority makes them vulnerable to snitching on others and collaborating with those they shouldn't. Many are infected with white knight conspiracy theories that counsel remaining submissive. And in general, this group of people, these traditional Americans, have, no, have nearly zero control of the nation's money, media, government, academia, the legal system, and the surveillance state. On the other hand is the ruling elite. They advocate a multi-tiered justice system and expect others to follow their rules, beliefs, and norms. They are politically savvy and disciplined. They view traditional Americans and their beliefs as an impediment to their wealth and utopian dreams, going so far as routinely to advocate extreme actions such as genocide, re-education, and the removal of the children of their political opposition. They employ proxy forces such as Antifa, Black Lives Matter, and journalists to bully ordinary Americans and weak-willed corporations. In order to intimidate and discredit their political opposition, they've weaponized the use of labels such as white supremacist and terrorist on their enemies. They are generally opposed to religion and personal firearm ownership, and they cannot allow you to be left alone. They will attempt to nudge wrong thinkers into accepting the ruling elite's ideology. And if that doesn't work, they'll force compliance via law enforcement, military, and the intelligence agencies they now command. They control most of the national, uh, national wealth and all of the media, government, academia, legal authorities, and the surveillance state. We're talking now here about the United States of America, not some other nation. So what does all this mean? Many traditional Americans are sleepwalking into a conflict they are not mentally prepared to handle. The ideals of blind justice and due process are now, for all intents and purposes, quaint relics, and relying on constitutional rights for protection is dangerously naive, according to Max Morton. Like it or not, we live in a police state, controlled by an increasingly authoritarian regime with near-total electronic surveillance. 
The national security apparatus views conservatives and free thinkers as domestic terrorists. And there are now more military deployed in the nation's capital than in war zones overseas. If America were any other country, it would be considered a non-permissive environment, not a free country. The pundit class recommends midterm elections and unifying the GOP as remedies. But they ignore the real elephant in the room. Representative government is not representing us. While conservative and independent voices are censored and banned from the community square, look what's happened with Facebook and Twitter and places like that, their elected representatives cower behind their desks and make sweetheart deals with the new regime. We are facing a new post-justice, post-truth society. We won't be able to debate our way out of it, to vote our way out of it, or to tweet our way out of it. No one is coming to save us. If traditional America wants to be free, it will have to stop living in the past, get up off the couch, and take action. Pretty riveting stuff. The article, The Last Stop Before Thermopylae, goes on to say, Come with me if you want to live. There is a way forward, one that is not based on conspiracy theories, white knights, or fanciful ideas of a Second Amendment American Thermopylae. Instead, it is built on the structure of a grassroots political movement designed to return control of the country to the citizenry. This is something to be implemented locally, in communities, towns, and cities. And importantly, it doesn't require an elected representative to make the message heard. The movement structure has five major components, all of which need to be tailored locally and coordinated across regional areas. You might want to take notes here. The first point he makes here is about organization. The people have the power to make political change. They need to leverage that power in a collective manner with other traditional Americans. The people of this movement do not rely on the vote or a Washington politician to represent them. Its purpose is to make the voice of traditional Americans heard. The movement is built on three organizational arms. The political. This arm delivers the message, including the movement's narrative, demands, and political action decisions. The movement funnels everything through this arm so the message is concise, disciplined, and not subject to fragmentation. Remember the failed Occupy Wall Street movement or QAnon or 50,000 sealed indictments? These are classic cases of message fragmentation and suppression. The action for this group... Well, this arm organizes and conducts activities such as protests, general strikes, and resistance activities. We saw plenty of that here in the last year, most of it being very destructive. Max Morton is talking about something a little different. This is the arm that delivers the political and economic pain. Saul Alinsky said that people hurt before institutions hurt. So he suggests making people in D.C., New York, and Silicon Valley hear the people's demands with civil actions like general strikes against transportation, trucking, food supply, and sanitation, along with mass civil disobedience, taxi, train, bus, and rideshare slowdowns, traffic blockages, marches, blue flu sickouts, Wall Street bets-style financial interdictions, and local nullification of unconstitutional federal edicts. These type of actions create effective pain points while keeping the movement's members within nonviolent and constitutional boundaries. Support. This is the third part of the organizational area. This arm recruits members, conducts intelligence, and counterintelligence operations. Opposition research, protecting informants and provocateurs, 
provides logistical support to operations, that is, securing transportation, lodging, supply chains, and runs the legal defense. That's just the opening in uh, Max Morton's plan. I shouldn't just call it his plan. It's really a plan for people who do need to get off the couch and uh, not simply rely on writing to your congressman or calling your senator. And it is really something to think about if you are looking to do something. And again, I'll tell you where you can get this article when we're finished here. But the next section he talks about is funding. Establishing macro and micro funding mechanisms is important. Macro funding comes from well-resourced Americans and businesses who will be, and currently are, growing weary of the authoritarian bent of the ruling elite. Micro funding is as simple as passing the hat at the local pub or a community event. Cash is king, obviously. It is possible to create and use formal nonprofit organizations, but keep them disposable since they will quickly come under fire from the regime and may lose access to banking services. Make sure to keep out the myriad grifters who have played conservative movements in the past. Legal Defense Network is something else that Max Morton talks about. Effective political movements need a legal support network to defend members from the criminal and civil persecution their resistance activities attract. Lawyers and money are critical because lawfare is a political action. If a movement can't keep its people out of jail, it won't last very long. You can tell his whole strategic and tactical approach to this, how he's addressing all the different things that tend to undermine most movements. The next is communication. All electronic communications are surveilled in a non-permissive environment. So he suggests establishing verifiable digital and personal communication systems to pass information between components and members. In other words, not Facebook and not Twitter. There are myriad communication systems that have been effectively resistant to mass surveillance. Do the research, use some imagination, leverage those who already possess the knowledge, and remember, loose lips sink ships. Community outreach is another area. Establish programs to teach, train, and mentor members in tradecraft, fieldcraft, and digital signature management. Develop shadow services to provide basic support to sympathetical uh, local populations. Keep in mind that money was the greatest need for members of the Dutch resistance during the Nazi occupation. People needed jobs and financial assistance to provide for their families, especially when resistance members were arrested, imprisoned, blacklisted, or sent underground. He's really talking about something very different than just complaining. So as much as all these things are going on, the question I'm going to put to you here before we go to the break is, do you know who your friends are? Have you thought in terms of some of the things we've talked about here, organization and communications, legal defense funds, funding, all of this kind of stuff? Are you willing to put your money where your mouth is? Are you willing to put your lives on the line like we've had to do at various times in the past? Is this one man's view or is it something you share as well? We're going to come back and talk a little bit more about his article, The Last Stop Before Thermopylae, when we come back from this break. You are listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. And welcome back to There is a Season. I'm Bob, and as I said, Gloria will be back with us next week. We've been talking about an article here by Max Morton, 
And you can find this at thefederalist.com. That's one location, thefederalist.com. It also appeared originally at americangreatness.com. It's called The Last Stop Before Thermopylae, T-H-E-R-M-O-P-Y-L-A-E, which more or less means the gates of hell. So the thesis of the whole thing here is really that we are cleaved into two factions that are intrinsically at odds with one another. We're not, it's not a racial thing. It's not male-female. It's not rich versus poor or any of the other traditional balkanized uh, approaches that people have that separate us uh, by skin color or status or any of that kind of stuff. It's really more about traditional Americans and the ruling elite. Traditional Americans doesn't necessarily mean red state, doesn't necessarily mean gun owning and Bible base and all of that. But it does mean people with a certain sense of conservatism that believed there was a lot great about this nation, that there were a lot of values to be preserved in this nation. The ruling elite is mostly media, politicians, academia, corporate HR departments, and others who believe that things like critical race theory and uh, gender uh, information is all the most important stuff. And what Max Morton is getting to is to say it's not just a clash of ideas, it is a clash of power that is going on. And what can you do about it? One cannot get small enough or anonymous enough to avoid tyranny and oppression, he says. Do not delay. Always keep in mind the adage that no one is coming to save you. Remember, you have the power and are now responsible for your own liberty. If you get to Thermopylae, the gates of hell, you've gone too far. Something to think about, something different today for you on There is a Season. Coming up, we've got shows about diabetes and negotiating for care for family members with other family members. And also, we're going to talk about part two of our nursing shortage. And that's all coming up soon. Bob and Gloria at thereisaseasonshow.com is the email if you'd like to comment. That's all the time we've got today. I'd love to hear from you and what you thought of today's program. For Gloria Shanahan, our producers and uh, everyone who makes the show possible, thanks for spending some time with me today. And listening to this, you are listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Have yourself a blessed week. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. WHIO Dayton, WHIO-FM Pleasant Hill, a Cox Media Group station. From the CJSHeatingAndAir.com studios, you call, we come, it's fixed.